The Leap Foundation proudly presents the Meet the Mentor podcast with Dr. Bill Dorfman. Dr. Bill is a TV host, New York Times bestselling author, two-time Guinness World Book record holder, fitness guru, celebrity cosmetic dentist, and philanthropist, cosmetic dentist, and philanthropist who founded the Leap Foundation. Here's Dr. Bill. Hey, Dr. Bill here. So we're going to do a Meet the Mentor with a good friend of mine who specializes in something I'm super good at, sleep. But before we get to that, why do we even do these? Well, Leap last year, unfortunately, had to be a virtual event. This year, it looks like we may be able to have like 50 to 100 vaccinated students at Leap, and we'll have about 10,000 virtually. So I'm super pumped up. It will be July 18th to the 24th. And it will be at UCLA, most likely. If not, we might have to go upstairs again and do it you know, in the penthouse like we did last year. But either way, LEAP is happening. And we have a great lineup of speakers. We'll start releasing names as we get more and more people confirmed. But why do we do this every week? Well, after LEAP, I don't want to leave you guys kind of high and dry with no content until the next LEAP. So we started doing these Meet the Mentors, and we've done over 120 of them now. And students love this. And this podcast has gotten incredibly popular. I mean, we're like number one in Yemen, number two in Finland, number three in Iceland. I don't know. All these cold countries, I think they have nothing to do but listen to podcasts. And, uh, and in the U.S., we're like 94th in the category with something like 47,000. Um, and we've had great speakers, Mark Wahlberg, Anthony Hopkins, Paula Abdul, Michael Strahan, uh, Jason Alexander, Chris Voss, um, Apollo Ono. I mean, amazing, amazing, amazing. So today is no different. We have a guy who is the sleep guy. Let me read you a quick little bio. Dr. Michael Bruce is a PhD and a double board certified clinical psychologist and clinical sleep specialist. He's one of only 168 psychologists in the world to have taken and passed the sleep medicine boards without going to medical school or falling asleep. Dr. Bruce is the author of three books, the newest book in 2007 called The Power of When, which he'll talk about, which is a groundbreaking biohacking book that provides you with the perfect time to do everything based on your biological chronotype. Are, are you an early bird or a night owl like me? Dr. Bruce gives the readers the exact time to make love, run a mile, eat a cheeseburger, buy, sell, ask your boss for a raise, and many, many other things based on 200 research studies. He's also an expert resource for most major publications, doing more than three hundred interviews a year, including Oprah, Dr. Oz, The Doctors, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Metal, and he has been in private practice for 23 years and recently relocated um, and was named the top sleep doctor in all of Los Angeles by Reader's Digest. It is my pleasure to introduce you to my friend, Dr. Michael Bruce. How are you, Michael? 
So thank you, Dr. Bill. I'm so excited to be here. Um, and this is particularly important to me, and I want to share that my son Cooper went through the LEAP program and it had a dramatic, dramatic effect on him and his, and his trajectory. And he is still quite good friends with you, Dr. Bill. I know you talk to Cooper often and you're, and you're amazing that you still keep in touch with so many of your students. I just, I admire that so much about you. And it's such an honor for me to be part of the LEAP Mentor Program. So thank you. Well, as one father to another, I will tell you, you did an amazing job raising an amazing young man. He is really extraordinary. And you know, the thing about LEAP is we take great kids and help them become even better. You know, it's funny. I, I, get, inter I get interviews uh, from a, a lot of people and, you know, pretty much every kid that signed up for LEAP when we were doing the live program, we would interview everyone. And, you know, once in a while, there will be a kid that we just say, you know what? Leap's not for you. I mean, your son wasn't that kid, but I mean, there are, I, I remember distinctly a mother calling up and saying, little Johnny needs to go to Leap. I said, really, tell me about little Johnny. Well, little Johnny is 18. Um, he smokes pot all day long. He dropped out of school and he watches soap operas. And I really think he needs Leap. I said, you know, little Johnny needs a program, right. not Leap. No. <laughs> like, He's not going to enjoy this. And we can't fix in one week what went sideways for 18 years. Right. But when we get a great kid like Cooper, who's, you know, enthusiastic and bright and really performing at a high level, we can give them the tools that they need to help them to the next level. And that kind of brings us full circle to you. I mean, people can't really perform when they can't sleep. Right. And. I just want to say as a disclaimer up front, I don't even know what your business is about because I'm 62 years old. I have never had a bad <laughs> night's sleep in my life. Like I lay down and usually within two to three minutes, I'm out like a light and I sleep the whole night through. Well, number one, that's pretty amazing. You're, you're what we call a super sleeper. Um, I am a super sleeper. <laughs> <laughs> which is awesome. Unfortunately, not everybody, I guess, fortunately for me, not everybody is a super sleeper. Otherwise I wouldn't have much of a job. Um, but, you know, people always ask like, how did you become a sleep specialist and why did you do it? And sort of what was that pathway? And I'm here to tell you guys, as, as Dr. Bill told you, well, I have a PhD in clinical psychology. I didn't go the normal route. Uh, most sleep specialists are in fact, medical doctors, MDs, um, they have a tendency to be pulmonologists or neurologists, ENTs, things like that. Um, again, I'm a PhD, but I did something a little crazy. I took the medical boards without going to medical school and passed. Now, you might be wondering yourself, okay, how did you get yourself into that kind of a situation? So let me tell you about the story in and of itself. I love that you're interviewing yourself. I haven't even had to say a word. Go, Michael. <laughs> exactly. So here's what happened. So I'm sitting there for my very first job. Well, actually, I'm going to back up a little bit. I'm going to talk, tell you about graduate school. So I, I got out of graduate school. Um, and in clinical psychology, you do a residency, which is a one-year kind of fellowship where you learn all the stuff from school, yet you're practical about it during, during the year. And there was this one program. And to be clear, I wanted to be a sports psychologist. 
when I started this whole thing. I wanted to work with athletes and have them throw more accurately and be faster and do all those cool things. And by the way, those athletes are really cool. They hang out with really pretty girls. I thought this was going to be my chance because I was a total nerd in school, like complete nerd. Dr. Bill had me take off my glasses before because I'm usually wearing my glasses if that gives you any indication of how nerdy I am. Um, and so I was like, this will be awesome. But to be honest with you guys, I couldn't get in. I went to one of the top 20 programs in the country, University of Georgia, but this program only accepted people from Harvard, from Princeton, or from Yale. What was fascinating was they had a side program attached to this program that was a sleep track. So in clinical psychology, sometimes if you specialize, they'll put you into that program and teach you this very special set of skills. So here's what I figured, Dr. Bill, they might not let me in through the front door, but if I can get myself in through the side door, then I'll transfer into the sports psychology program. No problem. Because again, I'm going to be in your program, whether you let me in or not. And so I applied to the sleep side of things. It turned out I was, I was a good applicant and I got into the sleep side of it. So I show up at the University of Mississippi Medical Center in Jackson, Mississippi for my first day. And I said, hey, I want to transfer to the sports psych program. And they said, sorry, my, Dr. Bruce, you agreed to do the sleep one. You can do that in the second half of the year. You got to do sleep now. Okay, I said, fine. By the third day, Dr. Bill, I fell in love with clinical sleep medicine. And I knew I would never do anything else. And I'll tell you why. I help well, people like that. Because. You know what I'd really like to know, because what, what I really want to get to mm -hmm. is how you built your business in sleep medicine. Yeah. But what I really want you to explain to the students is what do you do as a sleep doctor? Because yeah. they don't know, you know, I mean, I know because we're friends and you've told me, but if you can kind of give them a little bit of background as to what you actually do as a sleep doctor, I think that would be helpful. You bet. So when, so in the very beginning of my career, when I took the boards and I started seeing patients, that was, I was a regular doctor. So just like you would go to a normal doctor, like an ear, nose and throat doctor or a podiatrist or sports medicine, there's a, there's a specialty in medicine called sleep medicine. Generally speaking, we look at and diagnose five different disorders, something called apnea, where you stop breathing in your sleep, something called narcolepsy, which makes you very, very tired during the day something called periodic limb movements where your legs are kind of jerky at night, something called insomnia, which is difficulty falling asleep and staying asleep. And then kind of all the weird stuff like sleepwalking, sleep talking, things like that. And so just like you would go to a normal doctor, your doctor would refer you to a sleep specialist. And that's kind of where I come into play. Now, one of the things that's so fascinating about sleep as a specialty um, is that you actually can go in and do sleep studies. And so when I would be in an office with somebody and I'd say, you know what, they've got a bunch of symptoms of certain disorders, I'm gonna send them for an assessment, which is a sleep study. Now, this is kind of a crazy situation because you put 27 electrodes all over somebody's head, you put a video camera on them, and then you'd say, by the way, I'm gonna put you in this room that you've never been in before and I want you to go to sleep and I'm gonna monitor you all night long, right? Now, we know that you're probably not gonna sleep so well, but that's part of what happens. The good news is, is that sometimes people have so much in the way of sleep disorders that they'll still fall asleep inside that laboratory. We collect data all night long, and then we can actually diagnose different disorders. That's what a normal sleep doctor, sleep specialist kind of does. Um, as you can probably tell, I'm not the most normal of sleep doctors. Number one, I'm friends with Dr. Bill, and Dr. Bill is one of the most entrepreneurial guys I've ever met in my life. And so he's been a wonderful influence 
on me. And so I really kind of got more interested in the entrepreneur side of things. I got bored with the medicine, honestly, Dr. Bill, and said, how do we make money? And um, that has been a very interesting path. Yeah, I mean, and, and I want to hear because here's the thing. You don't have to be a sleep doctor. You don't have That's to be. Nice. I mean, all you need to be is a specialist in something. And then you can propel that to so many other things. So what mm -hmm. I want to know is like, you know, you start doing TV and stuff. How'd that happen? Did, yeah. did you get media training? Did you hire a publicist? Like, how did you start to build the business? You know, after you got done right. with sleep medicine, right. you know, now you want to build the business. Tell me some of the things that you did that helped your business really succeed and accelerate. hundred percent. So the very first entrepreneurial project I did actually had to do with me passing the sleep medicine boards. So since I wasn't a PhD, since I was a PhD, not an MD, I would read and I would create flashcards while studying for the boards. By the time nine months had gone by, I had over 4,000 flashcards. And when I passed the boards, I went to the printing shop and I had them printed up really nicely. And then I went and I sold my flashcard sets to every school that was teaching sleep medicine in the country. And that was my very first entrepreneurial wow. project. How would you do with that? I did. It was unbelievable. I sold the cards for 200 bucks a pop. I probably sold, I mean, I probably sold north of probably five, 600 sets that first year. Wow. I have to show you something. That's so funny. My very first entrepreneurial endeavor was ah, that's a smile awesome. guide. I wrote this um, and, oh, it was so sweet. My sister-in-law, Trish, was the photographer. We lost oh, her. She awesome. had cancer. Oh. And she was the photographer for the book. But this was my very, and my idea was, you know, people come in and they want to have cosmetic dentistry done but they can't explain what they want their teeth to look like. So uh, I made a smile guide and you know, this was my very first entrepreneurial thing that led to discus dental and zoom and everything else. So, so the, I, I think the moral of the story for both of us, right. Was we have a set of knowledge and we want to share that knowledge with people. We want to help people through this process, right? I wanted to help people pass the boards. You wanted people to identify good smiles. And if you have enough passion, and enough creativity, which is the things that you learn at Leap, then it doesn't, you don't have to be a sleep doctor or a world, you know, specializing dentist. But if you have a passion that you can get behind, that's where this stuff comes in. So you asked me about TV. Um, TV was interesting. Well, wait, hold on. So yeah. first thing, flashcards. What was the second thing? So the, first, the very first one was flashcards. Um, the second one was I create I, one was much bigger was I actually started creating technical manuals. So I was running a sleep laboratory for a group of doctors in Atlanta, and I was getting contacted from doctors in other states saying, Michael, we don't know how to run our laboratories. You're running a very efficient lab. And so I said, well, what I'll do is I'll take our technical manual and I'll, I'll productize it. So I will started selling my technical manual. Then I started selling the forms that I was using. And then I said, why am I giving away all of my stuff? I'm going to become a consultant. And so I started consulting, teaching doctors how to open up profitable sleep labs, because the theory was more open sleep labs, more people diagnosed, less sleepy people on the road and all of those other issues. Right. And so I created this whole consulting universe to talk with doctors about the thing that I had learned that I wanted to share. Does that make sense? That's awesome. Yeah. So from there, I started to get a little bit more popular. 
Um, and uh, my one of my best friends um, had a job at this company called Medscape, which eventually became WebMD. And he was a vice president there. And he called me up and he said, Michael, he said, we've got this thing called WebMD. I want you to check it out. Now, back in the day, people might not know this, but WebMD was two separate sites. There was a physician portal and there was a patient portal. And so he gave me the passwords, right? So I went in, they had nothing about sleep. So being me, I wrote down on a sheet of paper, created an email and I sent it to my buddy and I said, hey, WebMD looks really cool. You know, I can't wait for you to launch, blah, blah, blah. I said, but you're missing a lot of sleep related information. As your friend, I put down everything in the physician portal and everything in the patient portal that I think you're missing. So what my friend did is he, he got the email and he walked into his boss and he said, I just got an email from a good friend of mine, Dr. Bruce. And he says, we're missing a lot of sleep information. He looked, the guy looked at my, his name was Jeff Arnold. The guy looked at my stuff and said, go hire Dr. Bruce. And so all of a sudden I became the WebMD sleep expert and started putting together all of their content. So I started to think to myself, okay, what are the disorders? So then I did something on apnea, something on narcolepsy, something on restless legs. And so you asked me about television. Back in the 90s, when WebMD really kind of started to become more popular, if you were a television station, you just went straight to WebMD to find your expert. And I was literally the only sleep expert on the, on the whole freaking site. And so people That's awesome. Said, Michael, do you want to come in? And so I was like, sure. So I started to come in and I can be kind of, you know, a little bit uh, animated, uh, people tell me, or passionate. Um, and so that's great for television as long as you've got really good information and really good data. So I've done about, in my career, probably about 200 hours of media training over the course of my life. Um, and I really enjoy that aspect of education, of getting in front of people um, and really letting them know like what's going on in sleep and talking about new research and things like that. So that's kind of snowballed for me. So if I were a student watching this and, and I got into some kind of specialty and I wanted to do media training, how did you find a media trainer? Because we can compare stories. So when I first started, the very first media trainers I met, I was already a, a professional. So I was being asked to do lectures for pharmaceutical companies, uh, specifically Ambien. And so when they came in, they did uh, media training. They had media training for any speakers. So in the, in the process of that, that was where I learned how to get media training for speaking. I actually hired my own private media trainer that I uh, got a, a re reference from, from my publicist. Now, people out there may not know what a publicist is, so I'm going to back up and explain to you what a publicist is. And so what a publicist does is the person who sits on the phone, has great contacts at all of the different magazines, and calls reporters and journalists and says, hey, are you writing any stories today about sleep? And they say, oh, well, so we're going to do that in a couple of months. And then they say, well, I've got this guy who knows more about sleep than anybody in the universe, and you should interview him. And so I hired a publicist to help me get a little bit more traction. And then she said, we're going to do a little bit more media training because you're doing different types of media, not just giving lectures like, you know, at a dinner for Ambien. And so that was what I did. And I started to learn more about it. And then I kind of developed my own style. And, you know, a lot of people... Um, they feel very stuck on television. Like I can't move and I, I have to, you know, it's not a nerve wracking situation. It's literally like you and I are having our conversation. Um, and actually um, you and I have been on television together. If I, if memory serves, <laughs> you and I have been on TV on the doctors together. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I did the exact same thing. Oh. So, you know, I hired a publicist because when I started my career, you know, yeah. I wanted to, publish articles and become 
known as an expert. And then she booked me for some TV things. And I was like, what? (laughs) And so she hired a publicist. It'd be hilarious if we worked with the same media trainer. Who did you work with? Oh, my gosh. I don't even remember. Mine was Ramey Warren. Ramey Warren. And she trained all of the kids on American Idol. And she was amazing. Oh, wow. And I mean, she literally would sit me in a room. She would hire real professional interviewers to do these mock interviews with me. And she would try and think of the hardest questions in the world. For instance, when you're on TV, this is a question you never want to be asked. Okay, Dr. Dorfman, porcelain veneers are amazing. How much are they? Right. Right? Right. That's the last thing you want to do on TV. Because the second you say a price, Somebody will remember that for the next 25 years. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you need to, you can't say, oh, I don't discuss fees on TV. Then you look like a jerk, you right. know? So media trainers help you come up with a great answer. The answer I always used was, you know, every patient's different and the fee varies depending on that. We do free consultation. So if you come in for a consultation, I'll tell you what it is. Now we don't do free consultations anymore. So anybody that's listening to this, don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's, it's you know, it's, it is, it's fascinating when we start working with all of these folks and kind of educating them in different ways. And and media training is is one of those ways for sure. I think the other thing that I did, and, and you know, you mentioned it, Bill, uh, Dr. Bill, and I think it's important for folks to think about is how do you become an expert at something, right? Because that was my goal, 100%. I, I said to myself, I'm going to be a sleep expert. Not only did I say I'm going to be a sleep expert, I said I was going to be the sleep expert. So I went out and I bought the website, thesleepdoctor.com, right? Now, that could be considered a little controversial, right? And to be fair, I had a couple of colleagues who was like, what makes you the sleep doctor as opposed to just a sleep doctor? So, you know, there's a little bit of professional kind of interesting things going on there, right? And that's also something that people need to understand is when you become an expert, you know more than a lot of other people do about one particular topic. Um, and that's a, that's a pretty cool thing to do. But sometimes there's professionals who may disagree with you, who may want to disagree with you publicly. And how do you hunt, handle that? How do you understand that? That's exactly what Dr. Bill is talking about in these types of situations. I've been on panels, and I'm sure you have too, where somebody raises their hand in the crowd and you have no idea what's about to happen, but it's a loaded question and bam, you know, you get hit by it, right? So I think it's quite- You know, it's just practice. You do it over and over and over again. And after years, I mean, we both have been doing this for years and years and years. I love that the sleep doctor, my kids were so well-trained that even at four and five, when people say, isn't your dad a dentist? They would go, no, my dad is the dentist. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. They didn't even know what they were saying. I just trained them really well. Exactly. So so you do this media training, you've sold a few products, you've been a consultant, and then you kind of segued into becoming an author. You've written three books, right? I was gonna say that, yeah. So, and and how did the books do? So this is a great question. And so one of the things that I realized very early on in my career is if you wanna be an expert and you don't want people to challenge your expertise, write a book. Um, It's very straightforward. When you show up with 
300 pages of, of information that you've got your name as an author on and you hand that to somebody, you are an expert in that area, right? I mean, Dr. Bill, you've right. got one right there. I, yeah, well, I'm going to take it a step further. Hmm? You see what the top of my book says? Yeah, there you go. That's New what York you Times bestseller. So when I got approached to write Billion Dollar Smile, I said, I'm not going to write a book. I'm going to write a New York Times bestseller. They're like, go. well, that's kind of arrogant, isn't it? I go, no, I'm going to figure out how to make it a New York Times bestseller. Because if you write a book, it goes on the shelf. Right. If you write a New York Times bestseller, you get to do Oprah and Ellen and Rosie and, you know, Dr. Oh, Phil yeah. and The View and like all these different shows. So I did. I found a company called Promote a Book and I hired a guy named Michael Drew who works with authors and teaches you what you need to do to become a New York Times bestseller. And then I just did it. Exactly. And, well, and, so, and so what's good about that is, number one, you recognize, hey, writing a book makes a lot of sense, right? From a popularity standpoint, from a media standpoint, from a branding standpoint. You knew what you wanted to write about, and you knew that there was a way in which to get it so that most people could see it. That's intelligent. That makes sense. It's leveraging the tool set to the highest degree. And that's exactly what happened with me. So I've written three books. As a matter of fact, last week I turned in my fourth to my, uh, to my publisher. So I'll have a fourth one coming out in December. Um, and um, it's really an interesting pathway. Um, so advances and how all that works is kind of a whole different universe. But if you work with a publisher, not self-published, but if you work with a publisher, oftentimes you have an agent and they'll get you an advance. Um, and that advance can be used for things like having a ghostwriter. Um, a lot of people don't write all their own books. To be clear, I've had a ghostwriter on all of my books, okay? Me too. <laughs> And it's great. Look, I know a ton about sleep. I don't know how to write a book. And so the, I hired an expert in book writing to write my book for me. And I worked with her and she's she's been amazing. Um, and so like, just saying here, Sarah, Sarah's amazing. Yeah, I've got Valerie. She's incredible, you know? Yeah. No, that's awesome. I mean, I think that, you know, if I can say, when kids come to leap, there's two things that I want them to walk away with. I mean, in addition to a lot of others, but if I can only get them to, to focus on these two things, I feel like I did my job. And number one, you and I have both done this. Don't wait for opportunities in life, make them. You know, 100%. if I meet another millennial who tells me they're waiting for the universe to show them something, Ugh. I'm just going to scream. The uh. universe does not care about you right. at, all. at all. You need to care about you. And yeah. number two, when you do get an opportunity, don't take it, master it. There's a big difference, yeah. you know? And, you know, look, when I got on ABC's Extreme Makeover, if you watch the first few episodes, I stunk. <laughs> like, I mean, dentistry, great. TV, not so much. Right. You know, and instead oh. of waiting for them to fire me, I was smart enough to know how bad I was. I did really intensive media training. You know, I took acting classes, hosting classes, teleprompting class. I can read a teleprompter just like I'm talking to you right now. You wouldn't even know I'm reading it. But I practiced and practiced and practiced. And, you know, 
kids have this idea that practice makes what? Perfect. Wrong. Practice makes permanent. There you and go. there's a big difference. Yeah. Because if you keep practicing the wrong way, you end up with really bad stuff. Yeah, right? for sure. And for sure. that's the beautiful thing about what you and I do with these students is that we're mentors. So if you're doing something and you're not getting the results you want, take an opportunity to find a great mentor that you can talk to that's going to show you how to practice the right way. Because if you keep practicing the wrong way, you'll never succeed. 100%. I, I totally agree with that. And I mean, and I've done that in my life as well. I mean, I've found mentors, I've found colleagues, I've found people to work with. And, and you know, it's really interesting asking for help. Um, you know, especially as you get older, sometimes I used to think, well, I'm a doctor now, I shouldn't ask for help. Uh, let me let everybody know. The other day, I called Dr. Bill, and he helped me with a problem that I was having. He gave me some very sage advice about dealing with a not so savory human. And he was excellent and he was on point and he's a mentor for me and he's a mentor for, for everybody that's watching this. And so having the courage to ask for what you need and then once you get it, I totally agree, Bill, master it. I love that idea. That's, yeah, that's critical. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's not a sign of weakness. You know, no. people think that asking for help is really a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of weakness. In fact, it's a sign of strength. 100%. Admitting the fact that you need help in something really takes a lot of strength to do. And it, a lot of times it's the only way that things get better. Yeah. And, and, and it can be in any aspect of our lives, right? It can be in our personal lives. If we're having health issues, it can be in our physical lives. If we want to learn how to run or swim or bicycle or exercise, uh, it can be in our academic lives. If we're, if we need a tutor or a mentor or, or, or it can just be in a, in a friendship way and in, in a social way, it's, it's, you know, it's hard, especially now because, you know, people have been quarantined and people have been isolated and, you know, isolation and loneliness is something that's affecting many, many young people in very difficult ways these days. And so asking for help, especially if you've got help, you want help with loneliness, you want help with mental health, you want to, you want to motivate yourself. This is the platform. Leap is the place where you can get that help. And so don't be afraid to ask for it. Yeah. And if you need help sleeping, <laughs> they know how to reach you. So let's just kind of wrap it up. So, you, sure. you know, so you did the flashcards, you yep. worked as a consultant, yep. you started, you know, publishing books or mm -hmm. writing books, you know, you, you started to become a personality on TV. I mean, you've done every major talk show in the world. You know, what else have you done that has really helped grow your business? And I want to talk about things that you really have been able to monetize so that you know you've been able to make money doing them so the biggest thing that i would say is that there, so there are two things that i would say that have been incredibly helpful for me one was i figured out how to sell books by going onto podcasts and so i did 25 podcasts before my book launched and 35 podcasts after my book launched and i discovered very quickly that television people who watch tv watch tv people who listen to podcasts buy books um, they're more active humans. They're more interested in doing things. They're not interested in sitting on the couch. And so that was something that was a big, big boon for me. But the biggest thing, honestly, was I created a quiz, online quiz to help teach people about their sleep. And, it, and in that quiz, at the end of the quiz, in order to get your results, you put your email in that, 
in that quiz, and then I send you those results. And I've created an email list. I have over 2 million people on my email list. I email them sleep-related information once a week, and in that newsletter are my products as well. So they get good, solid, science-backed information, and then they learn about the products that I'm sponsoring or that I've created that might have something to do with this particular topic. And so email has been arguably the greatest economic boon for my business because social media comes and goes and you can be popular there or not popular there. But if you capture somebody's email, you have a way to communicate with them. And if you can give them valuable information that they can utilize, you will be able to make money. Golden. It's so golden. And you know what? One of the things I also tell students is when you start a career and you want to become incredibly successful, look at what other people that are successful in that career are doing and then do it better than them. 100%. You know, when I started practicing in the Beverly Hills area, they didn't need another cosmetic dentist. But what I did is I went and I observed the five most successful cosmetic dentists that I could find. And I looked at all the things that I felt were, you know, were things they were doing to make them successful. And then I put them all together in one practice and just tried to do it better. And, you know, that's always, always a great way to go. There's, yeah, there's no question. It makes a lot of sense to look at those in your field or those who are around you and see some of what they're doing and, and then just see how can you do it better or even the same and then learn a couple of tricks of the trade while you're doing it. My favorite, I, I learned that technique a long time ago. Um, so this is going to date me quite a bit, but I was listening to NLP tapes from Tony Robbins way back in the day. And I've been very fortunate that I got a chance to speak on Tony's stage at Unleash the Power in front of 13,000 people. And one of the things that Tony taught me very early on is expertise matters. And so if you've got a skill or you've got something that you wanna do, find an expert in that area and tell them you wanna learn from them and you will get the inside scoop like you've never gotten before. I totally You're agree. You're so right, you're so right. So in wrapping up, what's next for Dr. Michael Bruce? You know, it's, it's great. It's a great question. We're looking at a lot of different things right now. Um, one of the biggest areas that has been uh, interesting um, to me has been school start times. Um, and there's a lot of problems with kids going to school too early, um, changing those school start times. So I've gotten very involved politically uh, with the changing of school start times. And so that's another area of advocacy that people can get involved in and, and use their expertise in a way that's scalable. My goal is to affect every child in the state of California, not have them have to go to school too early. Those are some of the goals that I'm working towards these days. That'd be awesome. And if students listening would like to contact you or follow you on Instagram, what's the best way to do that? Of course. So please feel free to reach out to me. My website is thesleepdoctor.com and that's my handle on Instagram. Um, please feel free to reach out, Doctor. And if you have any, and if you personally are watching this and you have some form of a sleep-related issue that you want to talk about, um, Doctor Bill knows how to get in touch with me. I, I answer all questions from all students um, every time. All right, Doctor Bruce, thank you so much. That was awesome. A lot of really great knowledge, Doctor Bill. Over and out. To learn more about the Leap Foundation, go to leapfoundation.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash leapfoundation or on Instagram at leapfoundation. Listen to the Meet the Mentor podcast with Dr. Bill Dorfman on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.